0: Hello, hi. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Director Simon Curtis. I'm going to start off with a couple of questions and then I'll open it out. There is at least one roving mic in the audience, so if you can wait for that before you ask a question, that'd be super helpful. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this beautiful film to us.
1: Thank you for all coming on a Sunday.
0: Um, I wanted to start um, from the beginning of how I know that it'd been in development perhaps for a couple of years before you came on board and then you received Frank Quattro Boyce's script and what was it in that that thought you know I want to make this?
1: Uh, Well you start off thinking it's going to be a film about Winnie the Pooh uh, but it seems to be about so many other things as well particularly the, the the idea of family and being a parent and being a child is a theme that means a lot to me. Um, but it seemed also to be about uh, creating, creation, and also much more than I expected, a film about the the long-term legacy of war. And it's not just on the men and women who fight in the war, but uh, the impact on their, their children. So Christopher Robin was a victim of World War One you could say, even though he hadn't been born when it ended.
0: You touch on, obviously, a lot of it is I suppose it was undefined at the time, but the the notion of post-traumatic stres, stress and, and uh, from soldiers and war, and you touch on that obviously throughout the film. Um, in how did you develop that with Donal in terms of kind of that you know relationship with kind of a history that we don't see or we just get scattered moments through?
1: Well, we we were very lucky with a, a, a woman called Emily Mayhew, who was a sort of an expert in PTSD, who was a, an advisor, uh, and. She was really interesting in her reading of the script, and she said, "You know, that moment he 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 talks about the knife and fork and people dropping through the ceiling. That's that's a moment he's pushing through his PTSD and getting in touch with his creativity again, and things like that, which is a real, really helpful insights, You know, and um, uh, obviously a whole generation had been impacted, uh, but I hadn't realized to the extent to which not only was Milne suffering from it when he wrote the the the, the Winnie the Pooh stories, but also." that the Winnie the Pooh stories became so famous so quickly because they were a way for readers to reconnect with the innocent times before the trauma of World War I. Um,
0: if we just jump back then a little bit just to the casting, which obviously is so integral, especially the father-son relationship, um, with Donald Gleason in mind, how did he come on board and what was it particularly about him?
1: I just wanted someone who could uh, connect with the complexity of the man and you know he's obviously a brilliantly versatile actor donald but also very brilliant uh, very intelligent man too and uh, uh, and he unfortunately he liked the script and and came on board
0: there's a restraint that he has to show in terms of i don't know if we've seen him in showing other films in kind of a uh, reserved nature and you know, adept or obviously, a game with a PTSD. How did you talk to him about that, to develop that? Uh, but it was, I mean, it was
1: very difficult, because if you know him, he's a very gregarious guy, and uh, he had to sort of button himself up. And uh, sometimes he'd say to Will, who played Christopher Robin, I'm going to be really mean today, mm-hmm. and prepare him for it being very distant. Because, it, But by the end of the shoot, they were able to switch on and off the that. that. But, um, but, no, I mean, Rush... Uh, uh, capturing that restraint was was you know definitely a big task and quite a burden
0: and you mentioned Will obviously so much of the film hinges on will and the role of christopher robin how did you discover him and had he ever done anything beforehand no
1: he joined stagecoach drama club two days before the casting team wrote to the club saying have you got anyone who might be christopher robin he'd never acted before not only not acted in a film before um, and you just go on a journey when you're casting and, and basically you just hope for the best. And uh, there's always the studio always very keen on, you know, who they're not gonna green light the film till you've got that movie star or that actor, but they just assume you're gonna find a nine-year-old kid. And I wasn't so sure, you know, but um, we saw literally hundreds of kids and had then we, our top three, we did a day's work with Donal and the DP um, <coughs> at the, the house, the location. So. But at the end of that day, it was quite clear that he was the boy to go with.
0: And was he familiar at all with the stories of Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, he'd been read them, yeah. Yeah. Do we have any questions at this stage? Uh, Thank thank you. I thought the... uh... The little boy is brilliant, so I missed his name, but I was just curious how um, it was directing him and how it was that you achieved such natural and quite charming results.
1: I'd like to say it was brilliant, but in fact, uh, 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 he just was wonderful, you know, and I really felt a lot of the time my job was to get out of his way. And you know, as you know, on a, at the end of a, a take, everyone descends on the actors, and, 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 and I would hate it when someone would say to him, oh, I love the way you said such and such a line or that made me cry because I would make him self-conscious for the next take. So um, obviously we talked a a lot in uh, rehearsals. When I say rehearsals, just a few days, but most of the thing I was trying to say to him, don't worry, you don't have to play the whole part every day, you know, because he didn't even know that, that filming was three or four minutes a day. Um, But I have to say, he just was a, a gift to us all. He was really natural and I was always struck like when there'd be a scene where he had to play with the toys, there was no sense of him being an actor in pretending to play with the toys. He just was playing with those toys. And uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my career to watch him play that part, because uh, uh, he found it. I, I can't explain any better than that. And you know, there was a team around him and around us. But uh, I just think it was just the right boy at the right time.
0: I wanted to touch again also on Margot Robbie's character. Obviously, it's quite polarized, but I don't I anticipate parents at the time perhaps had to be that way, but she brings a nuance to where you kind of see her vulnerability at points. How did she come on board, and how did you work with her?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, she was living in London at the time and and had her own history with uh, Winnie the Pooh and uh, was very keen on the script, and I I, I adored her. Um, But we were very keen to try to, 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 to make the point that this is the way. A lot of people were parents in that class at that time. And if you read Christopher's memoirs, he talks about how he only saw his mother for 20 minutes at bre- after breakfast and 20 minutes before bedtime. But in those two 20 minutes, she was totally present and, and wonderful. And so those moments where she provides the toys or that joy when she's giving him the tiger for the first time or coming up with the voices, you know, we wanted to that, make, make that point that when she was there, she was really into him.
0: I suppose you get an insight into how present and how part... How much part of the stories that she created, so yeah, the onset and yeah. the kind of impact she had on them yeah. as well. But
1: you know, it was quite natural for a mother in that class at that time to have the baby, hand it over to the nanny, disappear off to Europe for three months, and you know, I mean, that's the way. And I, there's a someone I know who was the age Christopher Robin would have been, and an old man. He told me he only remembers his mother touching him once in his whole life. You know, I mean, that that's the way it was for some people.
0: You mentioned the memoirs, but were there any other sources? Our main had?
1: source was Anne Thwaites' uh, biography of Mill, and she's a technical advisor, and in fact appears as the mayoress in the, uh-huh. the pageant scene. So yeah, she was incredibly useful t- telling us, and you know, and she's very defensive about, or you know, she defends Mill if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Any
0: questions? There's one right at the back there. Okay, thank you. How did it feel to um, direct such a uh, iconic thing in pop culture?
1: Um, well, uh, obviously, the fact that it's about Winnie the Pooh is uh, hopefully something that's going to bring people to see it. So I was excited by that. And but it was seems to be such a it's an unknown story in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like at the moment, if you think of you know, Churchill or Queen Victoria, there's quite a lot of there've been quite a lot of films on that subject, but no one really knows this story, and so that was exciting too.
0: It covers the, oh, sorry, it's a question,
1: just. Um, hi, wonderful movie to begin with. Um, Thank you. I wonder if, um, I can't help but notice that has got some parallel with current affairs, you know, the uh, doom and gloom of possible wars and its impact. Did it at all the, as the our current story uh, happened, which you know changes every week. Does that change your reading of the original material, or did that affect the way you approach the material? Um, that's a good question, and uh, no, I, but I would say it seems to have landed at a time where, you know, in the way I was saying, with the Winnie the Pooh stories <laughs> were a comfort to audiences in a traumatic time. You sort of feel when he says England is wounded, that resonates now in a way even more than when we shot it. So, so I wouldn't say it was a happy accident, but you know what I mean? It, that, that the film has a resonance that, um, and also you know, I think you know, looking at something like Dunkirk and that, that wonderful film by Nolan, the, you know, the, the effect of um, war on those men and women, but actually in its quiet way, this film says, it says the same thing, that you know, the, 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 the impact of war carries on long after the war has ended. So there are a lot of topics in it that that do hopefully land that.
0: In that way, it's laid in terms of obviously it can be seen as a film for the family. But again, those layers add something for, you know, yeah. an adult audience yeah. as well. Were you kind of very conscious that it could play to a different range of people?
1: Yeah, I mean you can't really predict yeah. that. But uh, I, I just, as I say, I think I mean I think Frank Cottrell Boyce, who I credit with so much of the richness of the film, our writer. Is, you know, he's A, himself uh, a very acclaimed children's writer, and B, brilliant at writing for children. So some of those phrases that Christopher comes up with were, you know, I, I, I don't like porridge, I just like the sound. You know? yeah. It seems so, or so, uh, uh, well, that's a very interesting topic. You know, it never would have occurred to me to write a line like yeah. that. And I totally credit Frank with that. And um, uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, I don't think it's a film for very young children, but hopefully. You know, and I think that that theme of fathers and sons, you know, there's surprisingly few films about mm. that actually, and uh, I think we do dig into that.
0: Um, some of those images that we see are so iconic, even from all of our childhoods, in terms of uh, the red balloons and poo sticks, and how much of that were you conscious not to kind of maybe have replicate but create in a way that we haven't seen before but still give us that sense of nostalgia for a childhood? Um, Well,
1: well, I was keen to echo some of those memories. I mean, the snow scene, for example, isn't exactly a replica of the story, but it's suggested by it. But, you know, we were filming on the actual Poo Sticks Bridge in the the Ashdown Forest, and when you take, you know, your actors playing Milne and Christopher and put them on that bridge, you know, it certainly for me had a resonance. And that rock they're sitting on at the end actually, in real life, in the Ashdown Forest, has a plaque on it dedicated to A.A. Milne for... Take, introducing this view to the world you know, and there we are recreating that moment you know so for me that has that is special.
0: In terms of obviously then going on to locations it does look magical there's a real magical feel to it in terms of obviously you've got the magic of the creation of the story but you've got the magic in the physicality of what we see how important was you to, to, for you to capture that in kind of physical terms.
1: Well, I always wanted it to be a film about English <coughs> idyll, you know, and what's unbe- what lies beneath that. Uh, and, you know, most of our... Loca- we, it's, I've never done a film before shot entirely on location. Uh, and this country we live in has the most magnificent houses and uh, countryside now, you know. And, I, we, you know, we're constantly driving like an hour and a half from London. And I was always amazed how beautiful it all was, was you know, and... Um, uh, we also should pay tribute to that the Ashdown Forest scenes, as I say, those two mm. um, scenes were in the actual Ashdown Forest, but most of the wood scenes were in fact in the, the Queen's special woods at Windsor, yeah. uh, which we were very lucky to be able to use, and there they don't chop down trees. If a tree dies, they just let it fall over and it becomes part of the landscape, and it had a sort of magnificent sort of magic. poetry. Magic. Yeah, it had yeah. a magic to it, yeah. yeah.
0: Question. I can. can you tell us a bit
1: more about the music which i transported the film to another level. Thank you well I mean it, it was my dream for Carter Burwell to be the composer. And uh was very nervous showing him the film because he's been the first person to see some of the best films ever made. Um, so when he came on yeah I was deeply thrilled and we just talked a lot about different uh themes really and mm-hmm talked about Elgar and Butterworth and those English composers uh, of the English Idyll and also talked about music of the period and also just talked about giving it a more modern edge. So, you know, we talked about Philip Glass and so on. So, uh, but it was one of the most thrilling periods of my career when he was in New York and I'd be here and I'd wake up and he'd have emailed me a cue and I'd hear it for the first time, you know, and uh, it, it was a wonderful experience working with him.
0: the cup obviously a theme that remains prevalent through the second half of the film is the notion of celebrity and the idea of you know not you know not what wishing or getting what you wish from being careful about it yeah. in terms of there's so little little that's explored during that specific time period we're bombarded with it now but how did you want to reflect that notion of celebrity in a time where a celebrity was quite limited?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that, that that question absolutely nails it. That you know, Christopher Robin, perhaps alongside Shirley Temple and princesses Elizabeth and Margaret, were almost the prototype child celebrities. And and uh, to be fair, you know, they the Milnes had no idea that these stories would have an impact, and they also were very at ease with that distinction that's in the film between Christopher Robin, the character, and Billy Moon, mm. their son at home. They weren't to predict that the world would, would confuse that. So um, uh, I always think I felt sympathetic to the Milns because they were, uh, as I say, it was a voyage into unknown territory.
0: Um, we've got two questions. We'll go first of all here, then we'll come to you after.
1: Simon, I was just curious to know whether it was you or Frank cockrell Boyce or Carter Burwell who embellished the musical landscape by adding Al Boley to it and playing it. That was me, because uh, I I, I, know you used it in Pennies from Heaven, and B, I used it in uh, 20,000 Streets Under the Sky, I did, and I have (laughs) just loved him and uh, felt that was just a way of sort of celebrating. That particular song hasn't been used. My knowledge anywhere filmically before. So well, I've used it in, when I did the Patrick I Hamilton Twenty Thousand Streets oh. Under the Sky, and I've just loved. I love his voice. In fact, he died uh, very near here in in the Blitz, Al yes. Um uh, and uh, uh, I first heard him uh, his work in in Twenty yeah. in, in Pennies from Heaven. Um, but uh, that I say, I'm uh, that's me. And the other curiosity I had was where you found the older boy because there was something about his performance which had an edge and an implication which somehow... Well, he's actually a really uh, successful young actor, Alex Lawther. He's all over the place. And in fact, I think we all first saw him playing the young Benedict Cumberbatch in Imitation Game. Um, uh, And uh, he is an actor of fantastic skill uh, because that's not easy coming in uh, uh, that late in the film and playing those big emotional scenes, so uh, and also feeling the right age as well. So, uh, uh, but I have a lot of respect for him. He's 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 well, he already is going all the way. I think Alex.
0: Had he spent any time at all with the younger actor on set at that time? Um,
1: yeah, but not a huge amount. Mm. Not a huge amount. I mean, I think that day we were at the train station where we had them both walk into the train. They could sort of observe each other a bit, mm. um, but. Uh, uh, we were very lucky to get him.
0: Pass the microphone down. Please.
1: I was a little um, curious about the um, Milne's wife. Um, was her character pretty much based on what you read in memoirs? Yeah, um, and uh, obviously in Christopher's memoirs and uh, the biographies we had, yeah. Really?
0: She, I mean, she, she. Um, if you were going to write, a, you know, a more fictional story of someone who's going to play the character who, who you can um, really, the
1: the bad the bad guy. You know, I mean, that I mean, to me, that's what she played. She played a really bad guy, and you know, it was it was very interesting to see. That's why I'm asking you how realistic it was. to... Well, you know, I obviously can't guarantee, but I do know that uh, their relationship beyond. The timeline of the film was was not great. I do know that. So it seems to be, and as I say, the people you know who know the subject better than I seem to feel it's right. Thank you.
0: And, so talk- and also,
1: sorry, the other thing that when he that quote we put at the end is in the memoir that you know uh, knew, as for many of that generation, their first loves were their nannies before they were turfed off to be bullied at boarding school. You know, and and he did say. Um, Uh, You know, New was always a part of me. I mean, I think... I'm convinced that's accurate.
0: We haven't um, spoken about uh, New and Kelly MacDonald and um, her incredible performance here. How did she... Was she a first choice and how did
1: she... Yes, she was. I mean, I've always adored her and uh, she did the play with my wife about ten years ago and I've always wanted to work with her. And, uh, yeah, she was the first choice. And... um, It's a it's a wonderful part, and she totally gets it.
0: And how much time did she have with um, Alex to kind of bond and to build? With Bill, sorry, Um,
1: well, just a few days. I mean, they always say when you do a film, oh, you'll have three weeks rehearsal, and you end up with three hours. You know, Um, but uh, 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 his prime relationship on set was with Donal, Mm. Uh, and. That scene, the scene, the, 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 the sort of healthy and summer they're playing together, it's a mixture of things we scheduled and uh, and scripted, and things that we sort of improvised on the day. Or let's you know, that looks nice, let's go over there. Or they were playing, and one of the crew found a frog in the field and just handed it to them, and they went with that. You know, um, uh, and uh, uh, yeah.
0: In terms, of obviously, the notoriety that he had as a child, how has that? has that impacted Will or has he, is that, obviously the film doesn't come out until next week.
1: But. Well, he only missed half a term. Okay. He, you know, so I was quite pleased about that. And they hadn't really seen him uh, because we filmed at this time last year until this week when we were doing press. And he, he was uh, in his element, all I can say. But I don't know what lies ahead, you know, whether he'll go on acting or not. And, um, uh, but I, I, he's from a very, very solid and lovely family. So I feel he's in good hands.
0: We've got time for a couple more. There's one question right at the back there, and I think I can take one more after that if anyone's got one.
1: Yeah, it's a very lovely film. Thank, Thank you, you very much. You. Um, could you give us some specs on on the film, please? How long it took to, to shoot and uh, rehearsal time and um, all of that sort of stuff? Well, I can tell you it was... It was four 11-day fortnights, uh, and meaning it was eight-week shoot, five days, six days, five days, six days. Um, uh, and rehearsal, just a couple of days, really. I mean, we were supposed to have more, but the actors' schedules and everything, it all never quite works out. Uh, and then we finished shooting uh, beginning of November uh, and did post till about June this year.
0: Just if you can pass the microphone next door, thank you. Um, I was
1: wanting to ask about when the snow was rising because it was like sort of floating from its space where it was when it fell. is was just. Was it floating or was the wind lifting it? So, 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 I can't hear it. I can't... So, could you just say it a bit louder? Um, so, it's about when the snow was rising. Yes. It's like, was the wind lifting uh, it or...? Yeah, well, it, that's a very, very good question. In fact, the truth is, the snow is a mixture of artificial snow we had on the day and special effects snow. So... The snow rising is done in a computer after we finish filming. But I don't want to spoil the magic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that might seem like a perfect... (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you.